Hello, welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 248. My name's Adam Patterson. Joining me today, we got Kevin Reichstraw. How are you, Kevin? I'm doing pretty good. Good, 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 good. That's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This week on the show, we'll be reviewing Jeremy Gillespie and Stephen Kostansky's The Void. We'll be talking about someone we're watching on the watch list, new releases, VOD stuff, Blu-ray stuff, all that fun stuff. Thank you so much for tuning in. Remember, if you want to join in on the conversation, you can send us an email, podcast at filmpulse.net. You can send us a tweet at filmpulse.net. And if you like what you hear, consider helping us out by subscribing to our Patreon, patreon.com slash filmpulse for just a dollar a month. It'll help us keep the show running. Let's go ahead and just dive right in. Let's just jump straight into the void. We're going to fall into the void. Watch out. So as I said, this is uh, written and directed by Jeremy Gillespie, Stephen Kostansky. I have a synopsis here. Shortly after delivering a patient to an understaffed hospital, a police officer experiences strange and violent occurrences seemingly linked to a group of mysterious hooded figures. Now, Kevin, I'm going to predict... I'm going to predict that you hated this movie. Uh, kind of right. Like, well, no, I guess overall. Yeah, I don't think I would throw hate in there. Okay, good. I, th- I would say slight disappointment in certain areas. I would agree. It is a slight disappointment. The thing about this movie uh, is that it is very much an homage to horror films of the 80s and into the 90s, like Prince of Darkness. Um, I would even compare it uh, to to um, a lot of these kind of siege movies that we saw with, oh, yeah. Yeah, with um, you got like, Assault on Precinct Thirteen. You got a lot of you got the siege movie mixed you got the with, thing with the thing mixed with like an H.P. Lovecraft type feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mixed with cults, mixed with you know just essentially like all these different genres. Just let's just have them commingle together right and when you look at when you look at the structure of the film too the way that it culminates at the end and that, that big kind of uh earth shattering kind of crescendo that happens at the end like a lot of there there are a lot of shades of you know like you said like the lovecraft stories that uh or adaptations that were coming out in the 80s and 90s it just had that vibe to it which is which i thought was interesting um, I didn't love the movie. I I was disappointed with it on, I'm sure, several bits that we'll get into later. But as it went on, it was I started to kind of feel like it, it reminded me so much of those movies without necessarily, at least in my opinion, uh, feeling like a ripoff. Like it, I felt like it very lovingly yeah. honored those movies. And, and I, I think th- there was also a point for me was because it's such an homage to so many different films that none of them stand, you know, at the forefront, right out, out front and center where it's like, Oh, okay. So you're just, just blatantly doing this movie. It yeah. is the, it's like a bunch of puzzle pieces of different movies just all put together. So you can't really pin it down to say that it's just ripping off of this one movie because it yeah. seems to be kind of inspired by like 37 different movies. Yeah. Which I think is totally fine. I think that 
movies that do that. I mean, most movies these days, you could probably say drew influence from something else anyway. So I didn't, I didn't find it to be problematic in this, in this movie. I think that one of the, one of the things holding it back was that it was kind of honoring those movies warts and all, you know, it, there were certain aspects of it. Like, like for instance, the fact that not a whole lot of it made any sense. Like a lot of the things that transpire, you're just like, all right, I, okay, we'll just, we'll just roll with that. Like, like the, there's just so much of it. Like the, there's a scene uh, and I'm not, giving any spoilers away or anything like that. But there's a scene where somebody's running through like a corridor, like a hallway and like the hallway for some reason is like closing in on him. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden he just pops up in this other place and you're just like, all right. Yeah. There's, and there was a part of me towards the end there where I've talked about this before, where I was actually kind of happy that they didn't try to make sense of this because I was just, I was slightly worried there for a second where I was like, okay, they're going to try and like, bring all this together they're gonna try and make it all logical and usually when you do that it just falls apart completely right it ends up making making you look like a fucking idiot yeah because you end up having like typically you have the info dump that explains everything and then they'll use like clips they'll they'll do callbacks to scenes that happened earlier in the movie and they'll show you those scenes again and you're just like all right come on yeah and i was i was worried that that was going to happen too because there there were kind of two instances where i was like uh oh oh, we're gonna get some exposition here because there was one scene where uh the cop found or was the cop and then also the uh i don't know the redneck guy with the shotgun yeah they found this like box and it had like pictures and a book in it. And I was like, oh man, are they going to like get into some, you know, exposition type stuff here? And then also there was a scene towards the end where the doctor was explaining some things. And I was like, oh, here we go. But they didn't really go there with it. And I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. It was much, just leave it. You know what I mean? Just leave it. Don't try to explain it. It's, it doesn't make sense. And in all honesty, I don't fucking care. Like I don't need it to make sense. I mean, it's it's nonsense. Let's just admit it. Right. right. And, it's and, nonsense. And, and, it's creatures. It's hooded figures with triangles painted on their faces, the void, all this stuff. It's just nonsense. It's just an excuse for some creature special effects and just let's have at it. Let's have fun. All right? Yeah, I totally agree. Plus, I'm of the mind that if the characters in the film have no idea what's going on. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing that we also don't know what's going on because it keeps, while yeah. everything keeps the characters on their toes, we're also kind of kept on our toes because we know that any literally anything could happen at any time because there's no rules in this situation that they're in. Yeah, Like, people can die, people can come back. Like, they can be transported into, like, some kind of alternate, like yeah reality and there's just there are no rules here and while i think that sometimes that's a problem in in certain movies in this one i thought that it like it didn't bother me i wasn't i wasn't kind of uh, trying to grasp into some sort of reasoning behind this stuff yeah no, i was just I, going along I, for the ride i think yeah and i think that one of the things that helped you know kind of uh maybe usher me into that comfort level was the fact that the special effects for the most part there's a couple of spots where they're a little bit shoddy but for the most part the special effects are fantastic yeah and i think that that is uh um, definitely something that we should touch on is that uh 
almost all of the special effects were i think all of the special effects were actually practical they they used obviously some cg and some of the kind of the the imagery like the space yeah. type stuff obviously they have to do that but for the most part all the creature effects all of the like the you know there's so many movies these days that use cg gunshots you know like when guns are fired they they, they add yeah they, like they add the muzzle flash on it and then they just have the actor like reproduce the recoil yeah. and it just looks so bad to me well that plus like cgi blood yeah oh yeah i mean that's yeah. of course but <laughs> that's, like this that's the absolute this worst. is like they're using just practical blood practical tissue brain matter all sorts of stuff and, and not to mention a they really do have fun with the creature effects in that there's a lot of different creatures in this. Like I didn't expect that going in, but like there's a scene where they go down into uh, one area and there's just a shitload of these things and they all have, they all look different. They all look, they all, they all have their own like little grotesque features to them. You got the and bending I, over backwards, crawling. Yeah, that one was on. that one was really cool. That was, was a, that was a cool. Looking. You got that that faceless thing doing the where he was like head fucking that pipe. Yeah, <laughs> which I mean that was just oh. Yeah, the 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 special effects work in this was was excellent, and then the big kind of creature at the end. Uh, I thought that that looked really good. The the really big one. Yeah, I thought that. Uh, yeah, I would agree. I thought that looked pretty good. I just I I found it odd that like its creator was just kind of ambivalent to what happened. Well, yeah, that that was one of the big issues I had was this whole thing was to make that, and then as soon as it happens, it runs off, and he's just standing there like still spouting off his kind of preachy nonsense and. <laughs> Meanwhile, whatever he has to see this thing being like shot and and all of that, and he just lets it happen. That was a that was a really confusing moment for me. I was like, why? And and there were several other things like that that happened in the movie where I'm just like, come on, like this. It, a movie cannot make any sense, but it it has to at least have some sort of logic behind the characters' motivations and why they're doing these yeah, things. Yeah. Yeah, it just it did seem one of those things where it kind of I thought it was just really it was confusing to see like yeah. okay that's okay that's it wow Jesus he did all this for this all right and then it just like leaves and he's just like oh he like he doesn't even realize I don't even yeah. know if he left that he knew that it left the room yeah he didn't even like try to stop it or see what was going on or anything he just stood there but but I the, do have to portal. say that when he when he showed up in front of that like glowing triangle thing at the end there, my immediate thought was, Oh, the band tool. <laughs> like he just, he looked like, he looked like uh, something that you would see in a tool video. I thought he looked like the, uh, the character in Hellraiser when she, I think it's, I, don't, I can't remember if it's the, the guy or the woman in Hellraiser, but, they look the exact same where like they don't have skin and they're just like walking around without skin. But uh, I I thought that was cool. And that effect they did when they kind of made his, like they kind of vaporized him when he was in front of the, the void thing. And like the, you know what I'm talking about? Like his skin, not his skin, but his like body kind of vaporized, I guess that looked awesome. I thought. Yeah. 
there's a lot of things that I thought looked pretty good. Like I said, there was a couple of things that were a little bit shoddy. Like when some of the people were in the void, you could definitely tell that they were in a non-existent place. Yeah. But, I mean, when the creature effects are that good, it's, you know, it's not that hard to kind of overlook that stuff. Yeah. And the... What we mentioned before, the the thing reference, there's a lot of these creatures have like kind of these uh, tendrils that will shoot out and wrap around you and like stick in you and uh, very, very effective, very creepy, very gross. Especially when you see like a, the, the, like a, like a human casing, mm-hmm. like an empty body hanging from the front of it. Yeah. Of who that person used to be. That's really creepy. That's just, that's disgusting. I also thought that a lot of the visual imagery just looked really... I just liked a lot of the stylish imagery of it. Like, any time that they would cut to the, the, the like cult members or whatever kind of congregating outside of the hospital, like, I just thought all that stuff looked really effective yeah. and creepy. They were creepy as fuck. But, I mean, they are, like, completely white robes with triangles. Yeah, I thought it worked. And it, and it was interesting, too, that it wasn't like... Because a lot of these movies go, like, the devil, you know, hell route. And this was very clearly, like, some sort of, like, a more astrological yeah, alternate some... dimension type thing. Which, again, is a nice thing because you're not... You really don't know what the hell this is. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you can kind of throw out there, like, oh, it's probably, like, different universe. Is it, you know, like you said, astrological who knows like you can kind of could reach be like out the, to anything uh, but yeah it could be like the that that dimension that was in from beyond or something it could be any dimension you want who knows <laughs> i mean it's it's just whatever dimension it is it is rich in tendrils that's all you need to know it is it is very rich in tendrils it's just tendrils everywhere a lot of tendrils um a couple of the shortcomings that i found with this um i didn't actually find the plot that interesting uh and i think that that combined with the character none of the characters were really compelling to me like i thought that all of the characters were pretty pretty they, lame they and pretty pretty one-dimensional for the most part yeah they're kind there of was, standard fare like the the main guy the cop i just thought that he was just a nothing like he didn't really have any kind of personality and i didn't really think that many of the people had personalities and i just thought they could have done better with developing these characters a little bit. Um, there was one scene that really bothered me for some reason, and the the cop at one point gets injured, and he comes into the hospital, and he's, like, losing a lot of blood and stuff, and they're trying to fix, patch him up, and the, the doctor stands up, and he's like, all right, I stopped the bleeding for now. And then the cop gets up, and he's just fine, but it doesn't even look like they've removed his shirt or anything it's like they operated on him like through the hole in his shirt or something and i was like what that just i know it's a nitpick but for some reason that really bothered me like you don't even take this guy's shirt off to operate on him You're just gonna leave it on uh, i love i love finding the you know getting to find out the things that bother you it's all it's always interesting <laughs> This, this strange just, shirt operation. It's just like Bloom and Mud Shuffle. Well, they came up with a different title. Yeah. And then this, it's like, if they would have showed that he had to put his shirt and his outer jacket back on once he got up from the floor, 
probably another full star. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> I also thought that the the and and a lot of movies do this, but for some reason, like the the pregnant belly looked really bad on the girl. Yeah, uh, and I I don't know if that's just something that special effects people have a hard time getting quite right, but it looked uh, it didn't look great. Yeah. Again, that's that's a nitpick, but I did I did like um I did like how at at one point you realize like you can't trust any of these people. Like you have no idea when one of them is going to turn. Well, that's what on I, the others. That's what I thought was interesting with the the father and the son that they're kind of just like on this rampage. And you know, once the movie's over, you're kind of thinking like how did they play into this at all? Like <laughs> It's never explained. Like, there's no backstory. You have, I mean, you can surmise of what happened to his wife and the child, but you don't know, right? They, they, I mean, there was, yeah, there was, there was that opening scene with them. How do do they find out that information too? Like, how are they able to track down all this stuff? Like, where are they getting all this evidence? Yeah, I don't know. I was never clear on that. Like, how they really played into the the grand scheme of this thing. Like, did they, they figured something out? I don't know. There's just all sorts of stuff going on. That's not explained, which again, not that big of a deal. I'm okay with it. I'm actually happier that they didn't try and explain all of it. I don't, I don't need, I don't need that. And they, they, they do a little bit. Um, like I said, with the, where we get to see a glimpse of that book, you know, that fills in a little bit of the, the blanks. And then also the, the 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 polaroids that were in that box like that mm-hmm. kind of fills in some of the blanks with you know what this cult was all about and what they're looking to do um i don't know the the whole like the doctor thing didn't really i mean i guess it was okay but at first i was just like it just seems a little convenient that yeah he's you know this is this is this thing that's happening yeah. Uh, also, also, I thought when they when so like they get this junkie in, and I wasn't really sure where this junkie was going to come into play either. I mean, that you find out later how he was involved with it, but I was still like wanted a little bit more as far as what they did with him and all that stuff. But uh, he does something to someone, and I felt like there was very little reaction to what he did and maybe it was just because they had a lot of other stuff you know life-threatening yeah, things yeah, that yeah. were happening during that time but i felt like yeah they, not gonna, not gonna... <laughs> they seemed to get over that really yeah like quickly. they were just like all right that happened oh bummer whoops yeah that was kind of odd that wasn't uh, yeah there wasn't a strong a strong emotional reaction which is interesting because there was a strong emotional reaction to essentially every other thing that happened yeah in the movie and then that happens and they're just kind of like we got to move on i also find it hard to believe that there'd only be like four people in this hospital but i guess that's how a lot of those siege movies are although in like although in assault on precinct 13 they kind of describe it like this is a police station that's been shut down so obviously there's not going to be as many people in it but in this it's like oh it's just uh not that it's a small hospital, I guess. I mean, I, maybe there's hospitals like that that do exist in the world. And, it was but... because of the whole that fire. Oh yeah, that's so they right. They were kind of shutting it down, but there's still right, you right. would you would still think that with a fire 
and you're essentially shutting the hospital down, you have four people working that you probably wouldn't be taking pregnant people. You would right. have them go to a different hospital. Like you could probably do some small stuff here and there. Like, and, oh, I, I, broke my yeah. arm. and I just remembered that there were actually a few more people at the beginning, but they, 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 they go away pretty quickly. I told, I, yeah, I forgot about that. They serve no other purpose besides holding scalpels. Yeah. That was uh, Manborg, the, the patient, the patient in the bed. Was that Manborg? Yeah, it was the guy that played Manborg. He's the guy that ended up receiving Yes. Scalpel. He yeah. got it. He got it pretty bad. He sure did. He sure did. Yeah, that was uh, that was an interesting thing too. I mean, I don't know about I don't know how you are with films like this, but as soon as it started, in my head I'm like, please be good. Just be good. Please. Just don't yeah, with... don't be terrible. And then a person gets lit on fire right off the bat. I'm like, oh shit, we're just getting straight into it. All right, here we go. And I gotta say, I would I wasn't really disappointed. I mean, I have some issues here and there, and there was some of the some of the like I said, you know, some of this the the effects work is a little bit shoddy. Some of the acting is, you know, there were there was instances where everything seems to be going okay, everything's serviceable, and then all of a sudden they they just like kick it up a notch with like the dialogue mm-hmm. and the reaction, and it's just like, whoa, guys, tone it down. Like you're doing okay. You don't need to sell it. Yeah. overselling right now just calm down yeah i thought i thought the performances were a little meh but i think that a lot of that has to do with the the dialogue and the script just being a little meh as well yeah yeah and i mean yeah i mean you know that going in though you know what i mean no maybe but i think that it's still like from <laughs> what i was seeing in the in the trailer and stuff i thought it was going to be just a little bit of a, a higher level production mm-hmm. but again like Slight disappointment with it, but still, overall, I think it is. It's worth a look for oh, sure. Yeah, I would. I would definitely agree with that. All right, let's throw out some scores, Kevin. What are you going to give the Void out of ten? I give the Void like a six. I'm actually also going to give the Void a six out of ten. It's on VOD right now. You can check it out, and I would say yes, it is. It is worth a look. Um, I maybe my expectations were a little bit too high from the buzz that was kind of surrounding it but uh i still came out of it yeah having a good time that's that's interesting because we're both we're both at sixes right so we essentially agree but i think we can say that our sixes are different because like you kind of had expectations built up from seeing buzz from seeing trailers and stuff right you were like the opposite yeah i had nothing going in i'm just like "Ah, please just be kind of creepy just you know just have some good effects just give me something and delivered on this. So, yeah. well, that's how expectations work. That's wow. why I always try to not have too many preconceived notions or expectations about a movie going in. I mean, it's hard not to, but yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. All right. So that's the void. Let's move on and talk about someone watching on the watch list. Kevin, do you want to start off this week? I guess I'll start it off. Uh, I finally got around to uh, loving. Mm. The Jeff Nichols. Yep. Uh, eh, whatever. This is uh, this is one of those things where I'm like, there's not a whole lot to kind of like rail against it. Yeah. But there's, but at the same time, equal parts, there's not enough to like really latch on and be really excited about. Mm-hmm. Like it just it exists as a film and it does 
okay job of what it needs to do, which is tell the story right. of this couple. And sure, fine. It's just not my my thing. It's not what I'm looking for in a film. You know, I'm looking for creativity. I want to see some artistry. To this is just a, you know, I just, I don't. It's pretty much a biopic. Yeah, like what? In a lot of ways. What? Like there's barely a script. The acting's okay. I mean, they don't really do much because they're kind of a quiet couple. Mm-hmm. I got to say, um, Nick Kroll kind of stuck out like a sore thumb. I liked Nick Kroll's character. I thought that he had some much-needed levity into that film. I, yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. I, it, it was nice to kind of lighten things up, but at the same time, it was like, Ugh. You're not used to seeing Nick Kroll in... Well, it's, well, it's, no. it's that, but it's also like the story that we're telling. It's like, do we need to lighten it up though? Like, I don't know if this is the place should, for Nick, yeah, should for we Nick Kroll. Like, this is, I think we should maybe take a more somber tone with this. I don't know. I just, it's one of those things that it's just like, okay, sure. I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. It's just, all right. I mean, that's your thing. That's your thing. Yeah. That's kind of how I felt about it. This was like, I ranked this number 50 on my 2016 list yeah i mean just like it's it was good it just it didn't wow me yeah it's like it's 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 solid filmmaking you know it's not terrible by any stretch but at the same time it's just it's nothing special i mean it does does it really need to exist in the first place no i don't think so it's just i mean you can put it right there in the middle just slide it in the middle and just tuck it away forever because no one's Just gonna get rem- away <laughs> no one's gonna remember loving like two years from now just it's gonna be it, what you're gonna see is people going through jeff nichols filmography on imdb and be like love oh yeah what the fuck was that oh god yeah okay <laughs> yeah yeah that was the one where Edgerton was just like mm. Mm. did a sling blade impression yeah what do you what do you want me to tell with judges <laughs> i love my wife Oof. Sorry, no. I think it. I think that it is um, kind of an inspirational story, and I think that it is one that people should know about. Oh yeah, definitely. But and I think that I think that's the the thing that really helps it is yeah because it is a great story. It's just I don't know. Like as a film, I don't know if we need that. You could just do like a really good article, maybe. Write a book a do- it. You could probably even do a documentary. Do a doc- yeah, there you go. Do a documentary. All right, that's loving. I saw Tag. This is from Shin Sono. Wow, this one is... I mean, you know, his movies are pretty batshit, but mm-hmm. this one was... It, it definitely harkened back to the, the Suicide Circle days, or Suicide oh, Club days. The opening scene of this film involves two buses of... High schoolers, um, all going to a like a field trip, and the one the main character she drops her pen and she bends over to pick up the pen off the bus floor. And when she's doing that, a mysterious, invisible I want to call it like a like a wire rips through the bus and decapitates every single person on both buses. And splits the bus in half and she's the only survivor and this invisible like wind is starts chasing her down and anybody that she that comes 
in its path just gets eviscerated, just sliced in half, or have their head cut off. And it's such a weird, strange movie. So she she goes through this this tr- ho- just horrific event. She doesn't know what's going on. Then all of a sudden, she somehow makes it back to her school. She like runs back to her school, and everybody's there and alive. And she's like confused. She doesn't know if she dreamt it or or like uh, just imagined it. But then something else happens where all of a sudden the teachers pull out giant chain guns and start mowing down all of the students. And so she she escapes and she runs away. And then all of a sudden she's a she's a different person completely. She's a completely different person. Like when she looks in the mirror, she is a different person. Okay. Who's running a marathon? Uh, and then and then that person, some really horrible things start I, to happen to her. I gotta say, like not to cut you off here, but at the same time, it sounds like you're just making this up. I know. Like it is. Like she's a different person. She's running a marathon. Like you're just pulling stuff out of a hat. Yeah, uh, it, it's, like. it, it does sound like I'm just kind of making up this movie as I go. But it is. Uh, it's very very strange, and it's very very surreal it's very abstract in a lot of ways but it's awesome and i would highly recommend checking it out it's i need this yesterday when you you do find out like there is there is a a point to all of it there is a theme i'll leave that for for anyone listening to you know find out for themselves but there is uh something that you find out at the end where it kind of ties it all together and then it it does make sense like yeah. it's not just completely out of left field and just random. It it does all get tied together at the end. And I can easily see why when it does get tied together, that might not work for some people. But for me, I was like, okay, yeah, I'm totally on board with this. It, it makes sense to me. And I totally get what he's going for. But uh, one thing that's interesting is it for almost for like 90% of the movie, it's an entire, entirely uh, female cast like there's no there's not even any male extras or anything it's all women (laughs) but at any rate i would definitely recommend tag check it out it's i mean we've we've talked about his movies a lot he comes out with a lot of movies and i think for the most part uh his movies are are pretty great they're definitely within my wheelhouse suicide club's still my favorite of his just probably always will be but this one was quite good i mean I would say that this might even... I think I enjoyed this more than Why Don't You Play in Hell and Tokyo Tribe. Oh, shit. That's, not, that's, that's encouraging to hear. Yeah. I'm, pretty, and it was, I'm excited for Tag now. Yeah. Uh, I, would, I have I would, a yeah, short film. I think you'll like this it. Because it's just I, I don't remember when that, uh, that uh, thing that we recorded where I talked about Festival Scopes, new director, new films. Monday? Okay, so a couple of them from there. One of them is Events in a Cloud Chamber. That was last... Which is this short... Yeah. uh, Like, documentary. It's about 20 minutes long, give or take. Uh, Indian. It's interesting in the sense that what it's essentially doing is documenting this painter from the 60s, uh, Akbar Patmansi, who was a very famous Indian painter very modern and at that time there wasn't really any like modern indian painters so he became kind of famous for that and then he started to experiment with film right so they show like his first film they're able to show some of it and it's 
his director is like interviewing him and he's kind of going through his history and stuff. So they show the his first film. Now he made another film, 16 millimeter, called Events in a Cloud Chamber. But what happened was is it got lost. No one has a copy of it. He actually essentially what the story apparently is he let someone borrow it and he didn't really think anything of it. He was like, oh, what's the worst that can happen? Well, apparently the worst that can happen is that it's lost forever. So he doesn't have it. But he kind of goes through, he kind of talks about like what it was, how no. he was making it, what you know, what was the point of it, and this and that. And then essentially like the last couple minutes or so is the director helping him kind of recreate that film from the 60s. So they essentially like remake it in the documentary just kind of going off of like what he said, you know, what the film was about this and that. And it's just them kind of like recreating it. Huh. It's just, it's really interesting the them kind of like kind of reconstructing this from his memory. And he's now like 89 years old and he's trying to, you know, recount the way he made it and what he was trying to do. It was, it was really interesting. They made it. They make it like the last, I can't remember exact, you know, like the exact runtime. So of did it, they but actually let's make say like the, the last film? seven minutes is the film that he recreated. So they just, it just kind of like segues into that and it just plays that and then it's over. But it's kind of like all oh, leading okay. up to that. And then the, you know, the, essentially the remake or the reclamation, if you want to call it that. But it, it, I mean, if you're like, it, you know, with me being just, extremely interested in painters because he goes through his whole process of painting and stuff like that it's just it's really interesting yes some of them are yeah i think events in a cloud chamber so is that still available now because i know that some of them were expiring all right i guess i should say because you put this over to festivalscope.com if you're interested in that yeah yeah. free today's the last day there's still tickets available (laughs) yes correct yeah okay Monday the 10th is the last day. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw Ghost in the Shell. This is the the new one with uh, Scarlett Johansson. Uh, I didn't hate this as much as I thought I would. Uh, it's getting pretty middling reviews. A lot of people are saying that it's a little bit of style over substance, and I would tend to agree with that. It's a pretty empty movie. Um I think we gave it, what did we give it on the site? Like a four or a five or something. Uh, I think Blake reviewed that for us. It's, it does follow a lot of the, the same beats as the, the original film, the, uh, the animated uh, original from 1992, I want to say. So that's, that's good that it does stick pretty close to the source material. They add a lot of stuff in it to, I guess, sort of develop the characters more. Like, they make Scarlett Johansson kind of constantly questioning her existence because she's, mm. she's, an, uh, she's like a cyborg, basically. She has a human brain, but everything else is robotic. So there's a lot of kind of her questioning her existence and all of that stuff. And they get into that a lot more in the live-action one than they did with the animated one. And there's a lot more explanation as to how things work and what they're doing so it it is a little bit more kind of handholdy than the original but the the visuals are really strong i mean it looks gorgeous it's it's a really great looking movie uh, it, the the world feels very real very lived in and mm. 
I appreciate that. It's just that there's not a whole lot happening here. I think that the PG-13 rating held them back. Uh, the, the original Ghost in the Shell uh, anime was pretty violent. I mean, there's some really terrible things that happen. And in this movie, they kind of have to scale all that stuff back, uh, which I, in and of itself I don't think is necessarily a problem in most cases. But in this, you because it's not as violent, you're not, the stakes don't feel as high. And things don't feel as as dire in a lot of ways, mm. uh, so it you know fell short with that. Yeah. But overall, um, not I don't know. It just wasn't great. It wasn't terrible by any stretch, but it was it was just kind of mindless entertainment more than anything. They also drew uh, from the second Ghost in the Shell movie, which I didn't really. I, I actually watched Ghost in the Shell Two: Innocence after. Uh, seeing the live action one, and, I, and there were like certain scenes like that were shot for shot from the second movie, which I thought was interesting that they pulled some pieces out of the second movie. Which in the second movie, uh, the the main character that Scarlett Johansson plays, Major, she's not even really in it until the very very end, and she's not really herself in it. So, but <laughs> Ghost in the Shell live action, not great. Ghost in the Shell Two Innocence, however. I thought was almost better than the first one. It's all about the the character Bato, who is Major's partner, and he was always my favorite character from the original. So to have, uh, and I never saw the second one before, so to have the whole film be about him, basically trying to solve a case, was really cool. I think it's probably high time I watched uh, Ghost in the Shell. Yeah, and they they just. I did put a review up of the the Blu-ray that that just came out a couple weeks ago before the the movie, and so they released a Steelbook Blu-ray of it, and it's complete crap. So I think it's probably the only way that you can see the movie at this point. But the subtitles are not great, um, and there's no special features whatsoever, hmm. and the and the transfer does not look that great either. The quality of Ghost in the Shell Two Innocence is a lot better. The um, animation is so good in that one holy crap hmm. but i mean i still recommend seeing the original i think you'll i think you'll like it okay. very, very yeah. cyberpunk sci-fi cyberpunk sci-fi yeah i've always been meaning to watch that just for whatever reason it hasn't happened yet just hasn't, hasn't been it'll happen time. it'll happen don't worry kevin it'll happen just let it happen organically you know what i mean I mostly watch the shit ton of short films. But one other feature that I did watch is uh, Pilgrim Song. This is from Martha Stevens, who's uh, co-director of Land Ho. So I finally went back and <clears throat> checked out one of her. This is from 20, 2012. So this is one of her solo outings. Uh, and the other thing that I completely forgot about when we did our year-end thing, and you know we were kind of talking about new talent and... I think I talked about David Maloney and Timothy Morton. I forgot Timothy Morton was in a number of films, and he's in this one. He plays the main character in Pilgrim Song. So the one of the first things that I found humorous is he wears an assortment of eyewear. Like right yeah. off the bat, he's got, he's got the goggles. He's playing, yeah, think... playing basketball. He's got the goggles on. He's looking like Kurt Rambis doing his thing. Then he's got the sunglasses on. Then he's got his glasses on. And he's just essentially a guy 
it's kind of stuck. I mean, essentially, it's kind of like a piece of shit. <clears throat> just being a like, just terrible partner to his girlfriend. And he decides that he loses his teaching job because there's cutbacks. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to hike the trail. Just going to hike the trail on my own. Find myself, I guess. Uh, which it's, I, this is a movie that kind of confused. It kind of caught me off guard. I'm not 100% sure how to feel. Number one, there's beautiful cinematography because this trail is just gorgeous. And I mean, the shots that they get just look gorgeous. I mean, I want to hike this trail. Is okay. it like the PCT? No, it's uh, somewhere in Kentucky. The Sheltui uh, Trace Trail, I guess mm-hmm. it's called. It's gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. Plus, Timothy Morton, he's essentially playing the character that I know him as from New Cops and Bang Go to Battle. So mm-hmm. he's humorous. Yeah. Um, and the entire time you're just kind of thinking like, this is kind of like, who gives a shit about this guy? He's, I mean, eh. Like, I really hope he doesn't get this girl. This is ridiculous. <laughs> like, he's a piece of shit. Like, come on. And, you know, things get more serious as the film goes on. You learn more and you learn more. But the ending is really what threw me because it was not what I was expecting at all. It just completely, the complete opposite. And it was actually what I wanted to happen. But at the same time, I was just so, I guess, so just into, I figured it was going to end a certain way. Because it felt like other indie movies where it's like this white guy is just like, eh, he's not really, he doesn't have a lot to offer, but somehow it'll work out for him. And it just, it completely flipped that on its head. And I was just, I'm still trying to wrap my head around it, honestly. Still yeah. not 100% sure how I feel about it. What's the name of that again? Pilgrim song. And I, what, this is uh, for free on Amazon Prime. Oh, okay. Because I've been give, give that one a look. Yeah, I've been trying to find this thing for years, and I haven't been able to find it. And sure enough, it's on Amazon Prime. And if you check on Letterbox, twenty six people have watched it, or lo- at least logged it on Letterbox. So if you want to be number twenty seven, get out there. Welcome <laughs> <laughs> to your Amazon. Get it. Right. Uh, I saw the new Joe Swanberg movie, Win It All. This is available on Netflix right now. Uh, I didn't even know that this movie existed until you brought it to my attention. <laughs> I didn't be there until I saw someone, <laughs> someone tweet it. was like, oh, there's a new Swanberg. Yeah, I had no idea. No idea. Uh, this stars Jake Johnson. I think it's also co-written by Jake Johnson. I think he wrote it with Joe Swanberg. It's about a guy. He uh, Jake Johnson plays this guy who is um, a gambling addict and... He is down on his luck, and this guy who I guess he at one point owed some money to, a criminal type, shows up at his house, gives him a duffel bag, and says, I'm going to give you $10,000 to just hold on to this bag for six to nine months. I'm going to prison, and I don't want the cops to to take this bag. I don't want anybody to find it. I'm going to leave it with you. When I get out, you give me the bag. I'll give you ten grand. No questions asked. No, nothing. So he agrees to do it. And of course, he can't help himself. He has to look in the bag. In the bag, among other things, is about 50 grand in cash. Mm. So his plan is to just Mm. take 500 bucks because he's like, he's completely broke. He's got no money. He's in a desperate situation. He's like, I'm just going to take 500 bucks and I'm going to go gamble it 
win it, win some money, put the 500 back, and put the duffel bag away. Of course, you know that that's not how, mm-hmm. how, how that works. That's not how gambling works. So he's up, he's up like two grand, but then he can't, he just can't help himself. So eventually he is down like $21,000. So he's, he is in a shit situation. So he decides to work, work um, at the family business. His family owns a, a landscaping company. It's run by Joe, Latru- uh, Joe Latruglio, who plays his brother. Mm-hmm. And Joe Latruglio is just fantastic in this movie. He's just such, he, he plays such a good guy. Like, he just plays such a likable person. And I think that's one of the interesting things about Swanberg's movies, his more recent movies, is his movies seem to be very kind of, maybe not wholesome, but lighthearted and just fun. And he's been creating characters that you just like, like just making likable characters. Yeah. And he's been doing that a lot more recently, I think. And there's no exception with this one. Even Jake Johnson, although he has problems, very clearly, very clear problems, uh, he's still a likable character. He's very charismatic. And even though he's in this this uh, situation, he sort of gets his act together. He starts going to Gamblers Anonymous. His sponsor is played by Keegan-Michael Key. Then he meets this girl, and he kind of falls in love with this girl. He's got his job. He's really making making it work. And he has this thing worked out with his brother where... Because he tells his brother he needs like 20 grand, but he's willing to work for it. So he has this agreement with his brother where if as long as he does the work and sticks with it, he'll pay whatever the difference is at the end of the six months or whatever, whatever he can't save up. So everything's going great. Unfortunately, you find out that the, the guy that's in jail is getting out on a early release. Oh, no. And he has nowhere near enough money saved up. So he's in big trouble uh it's not like like joe swanberg's other movies there's not much of a plot like everything that i told you is pretty much it and it just kind of goes through this guy's life day by day um so so in that sense it's it it is very it is pretty light on plot there's not like a big arc i mean i guess there is sort of an arc but the way that it ends i'm just like eh, i don't i don't know if i liked how that how that played out but mm. it was light it was semi-enjoyable nothing nothing amazing yeah that sounds like one of those low stakes low key film you know right like yeah saturday afternoon i just want something that's not gonna disappoint me doesn't need to be great just needs to get me through yeah you can you can check it out on um netflix right now another short that i checked out is christopher good because i watched uh brad cuts loose again because it was a uh, recently a uh, Vimeo staff pick and ended mm-hmm. up writing a review for it because I fucking love that short so much. Just love it. And guess what? It holds up on like the seventh viewing. Still great. So then I remembered, oh, on his, he has a website, ChristopherGood.net, which has like all of his music videos and his short films and his feature, Mud Jagging. So there was one from 2011 on there called Holy Moly, which I was like, oh yeah, I forgot. I forgot he has these early shorts. I'm going to check this out. It has Jimmy Duran, who is the main character in Mud Jacking. He's the main character in this one where he just, he doesn't, he doesn't have luck with the ladies. All right. He's having sleeping troubles and he starts getting male enhancement drugs in the mail. 
because he's like, what the heck? Give it a shot. Uh, he gets pissed off because they're not legit, but they're like, we'll make it up to you. We're going to send you a coach. She's going to enhance your entire life. You're going to be drowning in women. So he's yeah. like, all right, I'll do it. And so she's teaching him how to shoot guns, how to drive fast cars, how to do all sorts of stuff. Now, she has an ulterior motive. And when you find that out, it's like, it's just great. It's good. I mean, I did not see that coming at all. But it makes sense once it hits. You're like, ah, gotcha. And it's just, it's another one of those things where it's just, the editing is so fast paced. It's rapid fire. It's just the ingenuity that he's using. I mean, it's 12 minutes and it's just fun as can be. It's fun as fuck. It's just his films. They're just so much goddamn fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to absolutely check this out probably after we're done recording. Yeah, I, you're going to love it because I'm just going, I'm just enjoying myself. And then once it hits as to, you know, what it is, you know, like the reveal, you're just like, God damn it, Christopher Good, you are too good. <laughs> you're too good, good. You're too good. God damn it. Okay, and that's Holy Moly. That's available on, what is it? Christopher Good dot. I think it's ChristopherGood.net. Dot net, yeah. I thought it was. Yeah. Uh, I saw Colossal. Son of so a bitch. this is the new. Shut your goddamn mouth and don't talk. This is the new. I'm not going to say anything about it uh, <sighs> as far as like spoilers. The new Nacho Vigilando. Uh, I liked it quite a bit. It. I, I didn't know a whole lot going into this. I, I, I knew like very basic stuff. Like I knew. I didn't even see a trailer for this. Um, I've been kind of trying to avoid it. I knew that it starred Anne Hathaway as um, kind of a alcoholic who realizes that she can control can control like a giant kaiju style monster. That's all I knew. Didn't know where that was going to go or what that would entail, how that would work. But it so needless to say, it subverted a lot of my expectations. Uh, the a lot of the characters subverted my expectations in this. It goes places and it takes turns that i just don't expect and when you realize like oh this is this is what is happening in this movie uh it's it's pretty incredible and it it's a lot darker than i expected too Hmm. um with where it goes and how how the the whole like monster thing works and how she can control it and there's other elements that come into play that i won't spoil but it just it goes to a lot of places that i just did not expect and it's a lot more serious than i thought too it's a funny movie there's a lot of comedy in it but um more than anything it's it's more of like a sci-fi drama (laughs) of sorts uh but man it is it is absolutely worth seeing though i i really really enjoyed it i'm sure we'll probably talk about it later because i'm sure that you'll see it at some point as soon as i get the opportunity I'm pretty excited about this one. I mean, I had like slight interest at the beginning and it just keeps growing and growing because th- they just won't give it to me. Well, I think that Nacho Vigalondo is such an interesting director. Like it's, it's not, I would compare him to someone like, um, like John Carpenter, not specifically like the look or, of his movies or the themes or anything like that. But just the fact that like John Carpenter always, brought such a unique voice to his movie. Like his movies were so unique and different and he was always trying different things. And all the the movies that he would release were just uniquely his own. And 
I think the same can be said about Vigalondo. Like, all his movies are just so wildly different and interesting. And even, like, even like Open Windows, his last feature, I wasn't a big fan of that, but it was trying new things, and it was, it was different, and it yeah, was the, still it, going for, like, kind of cool twists and stuff that you don't expect. You know, it's at least going to be an interesting... It's going to be interesting, you know? Yeah. It's not like going into... Oh, new Jeff Nichols, loving. This should be interesting. No, right. it's not going to be. You know exactly what it's going to be. It's going to be a Wikipedia <laughs> page up on the screen. Like, it's not going to be interesting. Yeah, that is the nice thing about his movies. Even if they are slightly disappointing, again, it's at least interesting. Right. Like, like Extraterrestrial, I thought, was decent. But, yeah, it, but I didn't. True. I didn't love it. But it was still. It was still very different and and trying new things and i think that he's also a director that can do a lot with a little like in extraterrestrial you know it's about sort of an alien invasion but you really didn't see much of that on screen and the same can be said about colossal although they show more of like the monster stuff than i expected i I thought it was going to be very very thin on the Mm -hmm. actual kaiju stuff so it was more than what i expected but still this is a very small film so it's more about the characters and Hathaway and her relationship with her boyfriend or her crumbling relationship with her boyfriend because of her drinking. He's played by Dan Stevens. And then you also have Jason Sudeikis and uh, Tim Blake Nelson in there too. Hmm. And so, yeah, definitely check out if it's playing in a theater in your area, check out Colossal because it's, it's definitely worth a look. <laughs> Anything else on your list? No, I am. I'm, I'm done. Tapped out. Tapping out. Um, I I will say that I've been seeing some Tribeca stuff. Tribeca doesn't start until the 20th, I want to say. So I can't talk about anything just yet. But I saw like four or five movies at Tribeca that are going to be screening at Tribeca so far. And I can tell you right now, I've enjoyed all of them. Ooh, nice. Yeah, there's there's some really good things. The weird thing about Tribeca this year, because I was like looking at you know, I was, I was creating my schedule and everything. A lot of the movies, like a lot of the movies, are getting released very shortly after they screen at Tribeca. Mm-hmm. Like Buster's Malheart, the one with uh, Rami Malek, that's mm-hmm. coming out in May. So it'll be screening the end of April at Tribeca and then coming out in May. Um, I think Super Dark Times, that's going to be coming out very shortly after it screens. Um Manifesto, I think, is coming out very shortly after it screens. So, like, a lot of these movies are coming out pretty quickly after they um, screen. So, that's hmm. definitely cool for anybody that hasn't d- doesn't have the opportunity to go to that festival. All right, let's talk about some new releases. Next week, we have The Fate of the Furious. Hmm. You see Fate, so it's like F8, Fate, because it's the eighth oh, one. Shit. You see what they did with that, man? Clever son of bitches. Oh, I had no idea. They're on eight. They're on eight now. <laughs> I know. Damn. <laughs> I know. I can't believe that there are eight of those movies. It's I, I have such I'm a I have such a tumultuous relationship with the Fast and Furious series because I hated the original ones. Like I hated the first one. I hated the I don't even know if I saw the second one when it first came out. Uh Tokyo Drift I skipped all together until many, many years later. And then four and five, I also skipped those because 
by that point, I was like, this is ter- this is a terrible franchise. I don't understand why they keep making these. And then I went back and I watched uh, part four and part five. And like part five, I believe, was the one that kind of turned it around for me. And I sort of realized, like, I see what they're doing with this series and I'm and I'm liking it. And so, so like I kind of turned around on the on the the series. Well, that's kind of I mean, I hated the first one, hated it. And and I just you... I completely wrote it off from there. And then, like now, I've kind of heard like, and I really haven't seen it. I haven't really seen trailers or anything, but I've kind of heard like how they've kind of transformed the franchise. And now I'm somewhat like you, even though I haven't seen it yet. But I'm like, this sounds kind of interesting. This yeah, sounds they... like something that I could do. It's it's so funny because when you see the first Fast and the Furious, it's basically just a Point Break ripoff. They just remade Point Break with cars that's that's all that is and it's very serious uh it takes itself very seriously that was the the thing that bothered me as the series goes on it gets a little bit more crazy and a little bit more crazy and i think it was part four that was like really really cg heavy and it was just but then five they they were like okay we're gonna make we're gonna make do more practical effects we're gonna do more real car stunts and we're gonna just amp everything up to 11 and just make it completely ridiculous and crazy and for me that's when it really won me over because it it was no longer taking itself seriously it was just like let's just see how many crazy out of control car stunts we can do and deliver this kind of fun you know sort of heist movie out of it and that's what they've been doing ever since then i think five is still for me it's the best one i think but you know, six and seven, they had their moments too. And like seven was pretty ridiculous. I mean, that was the one where they did the, the car jump in between the two buildings where they went th- through the window of one building across, yeah. into the, <laughs> the window mm-hmm. of another building, which, you know, that's, that's some crazy stuff. And it looks like in this one, in the new one, they're just making it even more ridiculous. Like the, the one, the last trailer I saw, um, uh, who who plays the uh, oh, what's her name plays the villain? Charlize Theron plays the villain, and she has some sort of device that can remote control cars. Okay, and she basically gets takes over the control of like all the cars in an entire city <laughs> to come after them. <laughs> it just it looks like World War Z, but with cars. <laughs> it looks so ridiculous, and I'm pretty uh, you know pretty excited to see it. <laughs> Yeah, I kind of want to see how that plays out. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll be I'll be giving this one a look. You just have to know what you're getting into when you go into these these movies. I don't think anybody takes them seriously at this point. But uh and the cast also, the cast has gotten so robust. Like this one has yeah, Kurt Russell in it. Ridiculous. Jason Statham and The Rock and Vin Diesel and freaking Ludacris and I mean Tyrese it's just, it's incredible. <laughs> yeah. So that, that one's coming out. We also have Spark, A Space Tale. That's an animated film that, that uh, doesn't look too great. The Lost City of Z. What do you think about this one? That one this one's getting some buzz. This one's getting some buzz, but it's also a, uh, what's his name there? The uh, James Charlie, Gray? Ch- oh, yeah, James Gray. Yeah, well, yeah and the Charlie Hunnam in there. I, th- I thought you were, because I know you hate him, too. <laughs> oh, God, he's such a bad actor. I'm sorry. I, I I I will agree with that. He is he is not very good. He is bad. 
but it's also James Gray, which is one of those directors that there is a large chunk of people out there that are obsessed with James Gray films and they're obsessed with him. And just, he is, you know, one of the greatest, finest American directors working right now. And I just don't see it. It confounds me. I just, uh, his filmmaking is just so boring to me. I haven't seen a lot of his movies. Uh, I, I I think I only saw... <laughs> I'm basing it off of one movie that I've seen. But God damn it, that was enough. Was that All The right? Immigrant? Yeah. And yeah, the immigrant I remember, yeah, I remember was, you talking about that. was fucking enough. Because I saw... people were going... At, you know, they were going crazy for that. Yeah, I remember. I remember they were losing their minds over that one. No, thank you. I saw We Own the Night, which was... Yeah, it was fine. Uh, yeah, this one I'm not. Uh, I'm just not interested in it really at all. I I don't know for some reason it just doesn't grab me. It's sort of a exploration adventure movie. Yeah. But something tells me that it's going to be a lot more dry and a lot less adventurous. I mean, we're. I don't think we're going to be getting an Indiana Jones here. No. So I, I'm. No. I'll probably be. <clears throat> skipping that one but i'm also going to keep an eye on it and see what see what people say after it gets released uh, all right we have the outcasts i'm actually not sure what that is we have a quiet passion tommy thanks about that one a quiet passion yeah i don't know i don't know what that is emily dickinson yeah mm, i don't know about that it's a period piece with cynthia nixon yeah. nope that's a that's a hard pass for me tommy's honor the about golf, like the early days of golf, or something. No, thank you. There is nothing worse than the early days of golf. I mean, the, Actually, the just golf in general. No the poster, you. the poster looks very bad. Yeah, uh, with their fucking sticks and their hats and their suits and come on. Norman, Norman, the moderate rise and tragic fall of a New York fixer. Okay. This is with Richard Gere. Oh. I haven't seen him in a while. No, no. I haven't either. And I'm okay with that. I'm going to keep it going. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Me I too. couldn't see Norman. Uh, my entire high school is sinking into the sea. This is interesting. Yeah, this is, a, this is an animated film. From graphic novelist Dash Shaw. Featuring the voices of Jason Schwartzman, Lena Dunham, Reggie Watts, Maya Rudolph, Susan Sarandon. Yeah. I'll, uh, sign me up. Yeah, sign me up on this one. I'll check this one out for sure. Looks it looks interesting. Little boxes. I heard a lot of good things about that one. Yeah, that looks good to me too. I want to see that one. Yeah, I think I think that one will be pretty good. Uh, what else do we got here? That's pretty much it. Chasing train, the the John Coltrane. It's a obviously a John Coltrane rock doc. Yo, rock doc. I mean, he deserves one. I wonder if it's any good. Well, apparently, this is the first authorized biography. Okay. Of John Coltrane by his estate, so it says it's the definitive. Yeah, it was like the only one that was actually approved. But then I get the cast, and it's like Bill Clinton, Common, Wynton Marsalis, <laughs> which I love. I love Coltrane, and I know Coltrane has wide appeal, but I don't need to hear Bill Clinton, <laughs> Common, and Bill- or Wynton Marsalis <laughs> fucking talk about Coltrane. Bill Clinton's a sax man, though. So I, I know he's know. a sax man, and I'm sure he had a huge influence on him. But I don't need to hear Bill Clinton talk about John Coltrane. <laughs> okay, I don't need that shit. Oh Sorry. God, 
All right, VOD next week we have, uh, let's see, this is on April 11th. We have Mako Dancing Child. It's about a ballet dancer. Uh, The Sweet Life, Asylum of Darkness. And on April 12th, we have The Lone Road. And then on the 14th, we have Little Boxes. Okay, all right, all right. Little Boxes is probably the only one that I'll uh, give a look on VOD. April, uh, we have Blu-ray releases for April 11th. Hidden Figures, uh, The Lurking Fear is getting a, or uh, sorry, just Lurking Fear from 1994 is getting a Blu-ray release. Arrow is putting out House, Two Stories, which is the part one and part two of House. I liked part one. I did not, I wasn't a big fan of part two, but part one's worth a look just because it's so weird and goofy. The Phantasm Collection is coming out. This is a six disc Blu-ray set. I'm very excited about this one because it's got all of the Phantasm movies. So it's one, two, three, four, and then Phantasm Ravager, which was the new one that came out uh, last year. Or maybe it was this year that came out. We got Lion. We got... Mm. Are you, you going to check that one out? That is one of those movies that when it, when it comes out and I see the poster, I immediately think to myself, I'm never going to watch you ever. I will make it a point to not watch you. No, I'll never, I'll never see that one either. I don't, just... I don't, there's just, there's certain films, you know, with the marketing material, it just, it gets that reaction from me where I'm like, I would do everything in my power to never watch you. Yeah, it's terrible. Ter- terrible marketing material in that. Mm-hmm. Kylie Blues coming out on the old Blu-ray. Ooh, that's a good one right there. Yeah, I would, I would definitely recommend checking that out. Bye Bye Man. Bye Bye Man. What now? The bye bye man. What's he do? What's the bye bye man do? I'm guessing he kills you. I don't know. It, it's a ter- It looks like a pretty bad PG-13 style There's... supernatural slasher movie. Do you think before he kills you, he says bye bye, bye bye? Do you think? I hope that. But there's <laughs> a there's a part of me that wants him to do that. I would see it if if someone could guarantee me that he does that. I would I would definitely I would, watch that movie. Yeah, and if he just went on like a murdering spree of like sixty seven people, where it's just like every five minutes, it's like bye bye. <laughs> That'd be fantastic. Uh, Monster trucks getting a Blu Ray release. Okay, I feel like that one just kind of came and went. Thankfully, sure did. What a dumb idea, monster trucks. Are you kidding me? They're they're actual monsters. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah, so it should be called monster trucks. Not monster trucks, like how we say it. It would be like monster trucks. The Alien Anthology is coming out again on Blu-ray. I don't know how this is any different than the Alien Anthology that came out a couple years ago on Blu-ray. Something tells me that there's no difference. War on Everyone coming out. Yeah. Yeah. Arrow is releasing Django, Prepare a Coffin. (laughs) That is such an awesome title. (laughs) Django, Prepare a Coffin. (laughs) Uh, that is a good title. Let's see what else do we got here. Um, that is pretty much it. There's a movie called Brimstone that's coming out. That came out on VOD a few weeks ago. Uh, Western that didn't look that great. What do we got on the Criterion front next week? We have two. Uh, I'm not 100% sure what's going on here because this is they're from a collector set. So I think they're just making these available on their own as standalones. Sure. Yeah. So you have the, the Umbrellas of Sherbert, which is the only movie 
that Ryan has refused to watch for Ryan watches the movie. Yep, remains the only movie that he flat out refused to watch. He was like, no thank you, which is also a film that I hate more than anything in the entire world. I just hate that film. I watched about five minutes of it back when we gave this to him, and I was just like, He's never gonna do. He's never gonna watch this. And, I had to turn it off. Yeah, and I, it's one of those things now that I could probably, I could probably watch now and get and get over the the whole you know musical thing because I have a feeling that it is probably the uh, wonderful in its colors. Probably has great color in the movie. Oh, people I, love this movie. Oh yeah, no, this is a classic. I mean, this is an absolute classic for people. I just, I can't. Get into it. Can't do it. And then another to me film is the Young Girls of uh, Rocheford. So you got those two, which are available in a collector set, but I guess they're just making them. I guess those are the two biggies they're making available now on their own. Oh, well, there you have it. I, I also forgot to mention that the Dead or Alive trilogy is also coming out on Arrow. I don't know if these movies ever got like a proper US release. This is the Miyake one uh, series. Yes. I have the weird, like the weird uh, Japanese <laughs> releases that yeah. are questionable at best. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think they're legit. I don't, I don't think they were either. I don't think any of those Asian movies that we bought. A lot of them, were, yeah. <laughs> a lot of them were not legit at all. Like some of them, I remember like some of them didn't even have like the right no. covers and like the DVDs were weird. Like I remember. Um, the credits, like the, you know, the credit like the lettering yeah they weren't right i remember the one make a film i have it's double-sided like the blu-ray is you have to if the movie stops halfway and you have to flip the dvd (laughs) (laughs) so it's only like a single layer dvd that they use or something i don't i don't think you know production companies were using that i think that was some just some guy (laughs) Very strange, and I still I still own my copy of Suicide Circle Hell because yeah. because we I got that that DVD before it came out. The movie came out in the states, and when it did come out in the states, they renamed it to Suicide Club. That's why I still call it Suicide Circle. Yeah, and that was a really weird DVD. I remember it had like this white, like the disc was like white, and it looked like it was just printed on somebody's computer, and like the cover looks completely different than. All of the other releases that I've seen of that movie is very strange. Yeah, I'm 100% sure that that was bootleg from like some like 15 year old. Probably was. Probably was. Whatever. Those fuckers were cheap. We got to watch great movies. I know. That that was, uh, I'm I'm wondering if they still, because they do, I, I, they still have those VCD stores and stuff in Chinatown. You can still find them. There's not as many as there were, but I went into one a few months ago and they still had. pretty cheap movies but ebay is the way to go i remember we just bought so many dvds for like nothing yeah on no, eBay. it was fantastic because it was essentially like we would just buy and buy oh so yeah many things we just if, if it sounded kind of cool or if it had a certain actor we just we, we bought it and they were cheap they were so dirt cheap i mean that's the way to that's the way to do it like i know that now you can pretty much just use the internet to discover whatever whatever you want yeah, but, but it was it was the, back the, then it, it was, was the a whole lot thing it was the whole thing of getting it in the mail and then it was either i got it or you got it depending on who bought it 
And then you would come over to that person's house like, yep. shit, look what I got. Look what came in the mail. But it was, it was, it's also so much fun to discover uh, new filmmakers, new movies, new actors doing that method where you would get a movie. And if you liked that movie, you would, you would then try to buy whatever other movies that director did. And then you would, and then you would look at the actor and be like, okay, well, they were in this movie. This movie seems like it might be cool. So let's buy this. And it was just this kind of web that you would create <laughs> right. where you would find new directors, new actors. It was just, it was so cool. Cause I mean, back then you didn't have like letterbox and all these other sites that kind of help with that discovery aspect. Yeah. yeah. So I'm sure you could still do it to this day. And it's kind of a fun way to find new, new movies, new directors, new filmmakers and stuff. Oh yeah. All right. I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. Follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And if you have a minute, take a look at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash filmpulse. Consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week. Kanaka, kanaka.